This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival, via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This program is also available as a podcast from late Wednesday evenings by going to SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or rsn.net.au and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be previewing the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand final to be played Saturday 5.30pm. We'll be chatting with Amber Allen, the captain of the Balcon and Magpies, and Chris Clifton, the coach of the Quimbian Tigers. Also coming up, we'll be chatting with Matt Gale, AFL Asia President, about the AFL Asian Championships held in Thailand over the weekend. Also dropping by will be Lisa Wilson from the AFL Germany Women's Competition. They've got their grand final coming up this weekend between Berlin and Hamburg. We'll check in with Michael Curran, about what's happening in AFL Island women's football. Their premiership season kicked off over the weekend. Plus, they've had two more players signed to AFLW rookie contracts. Plus, we'll take a look back at week one of finals in the VFLW, WAFLW, AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and Tasmanian State League women's competitions. But first to our special guests that'll be taking part in the AFL Canberra first grade women's grand final this Saturday. Joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival as we look towards the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final this weekend. It's great to have on the line the captain of the Balconnen Magpies in Amber Allen. Amber, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the line. And importantly, we're counting down the sleeps now to the Grand Final this Saturday. How are the nerves? Uh, they are starting to build up quite early, especially from the game we had last last week. We've come off a really big high with a massive win against Ainsley. So the girls are the girls are so excited, but we're getting starting to get really nervous moving into our first training session of the week, going into the grand final. This Saturday, 7th of September, 5.30pm at the UNSW Canberra Oval up against the Quimbian Tigers. Now, before we quickly focus on some of the better players and how you've gone through the season, of course, a, a very famous club, the Balcon and Magpies. A couple of AFLW stars recruited out of your club. Jody Hicks, of course, to the GWS Giants and one of the best footballers, in my opinion, to come out of Canberra women's football. Uh, Aliso Day, of course, playing at Melbourne. Yeah, they're amazing players. Um, I was so lucky to get to play with Jodie uh, over the last few years. You should see that the Magpies, she's an amazing player. And it's just awesome to see where Aliso Day has come from, being a junior with the club. Um, and then now she's yeah captaining the Demons. is yeah very impressive. Let's talk about your season to date. Um, finishing second on the table with uh, 10 wins and four losses. Yeah, so we started off a little bit slow. We had um, we had quite a tough uh, 2017 with, oh sorry, 2018 with a lot of girls going out with ACL injuries, broken ankles. Um, so we didn't quite to get to finish off the way we wanted to um, last season. But now having a lot of the girls come back from those season-ending injuries, it's been really amazing to see how we've come together as a team moving into the final half of the season. Um, so, yeah, we're really looking forward to I think this is only going to be the fourth time we've actually played with our full-strength side this season. So, really looking to see how we gel together as a team. 
And speaking to your president, uh, Jack Harper, a rather young side as well, relying on a lot of uh, young under 18, 19, 20-year-old talent. Yeah, so I think our team average this year is 21. Um, we do have a couple of old girls who have never played in a grand final the whole time. They've played for the club. But, yeah, I think we have about six girls who are still under 18. So they, they're all eligible to playing in the under 18 women's comp. But they're all so talented that we needed them playing out with us this season. Before we talk about individual players, let's talk about the road to the grand final coming through the finals campaign. Uh, you had met Quimbian once. That was in the major semi-final. Of course, because of the double chance and through the loss, you went through to the preliminary final. You went down by 15 points. But looking at the score, it was only really one quarter, that third quarter that Quimbian got away from you in that last contest. Yeah, it was quite a disappointing quarter. We're trying to look past that going into this weekend's game because we know we can bring it to Queenie and we can really have a good game. Um, but yeah, we we don't usually have a very good third quarter. So I think that's the main thing, start off strong and try and keep it for the whole game. So really just focusing on our four quarter efforts is going to be a massive one going into this weekend. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how we go. <laughs> Well, talking about the third quarters, you actually improved on it last week when you put on, uh, I think, three goals, two against one goal, and you put the foot down against Ainsley for that comfortable uh, 72 to 25 victory in the prelim. Yeah, that was that was an amazing game. The team just played so well together. We just really stuck to our structure that we've been trying to focus on for the whole year. Um, so it was amazing to see our forward our forward line work together. Um, with a, with girls like Hannah Wallet coming back into the side after her ACL injury. She's only been back for four or five games. So uh, it's really just good to get the girls finally gelling together. Um, we, we get the footy down there, which we need to try and convert. And it was really amazing to see those girls do that on the weekend. Plenty of firepower in your forward line as well. You've got the likes of uh, Emma Zouch, 25 goals, Maggie Gorham, 29 goals, and, and topping the goal-kicking list for your side, Sarah Tutt with 38 goals for the season. Yeah, she's an amazing player. Uh, we picked her up a few years ago, never had played, just was always a soccer a soccer um, fan. Uh, she just come in left footer and just an amazing athlete. The way she runs, the way she walks up, she treats herself, her body like a temple. And it really just shows that she's just an amazing athlete and her her quick step onto her left foot is just, it's really helped us get to where we were this season. Like she's kicked seven goals in a game. She's just a real, a really great player to have to the, in the team. And one of your youngsters, Maggie Gorham, named in the best 13 times this season. I believe got honours as well at the uh, recent uh, uh, AFL Canberra Awards. Yeah, Mag's got uh, league best and fairest. Uh, she also got player of the player of the year, so that's voted by like, the coaches. So it really just shows she's an amazing player. She's only seventeen as well. Um, so just she's just always got so much time. She's an amazing player and so unselfish. She's always the best, the first one to get the footy, but she's always the first one to share it as well. So really, she's really an exciting player with. The way she her vision just across the field is um, really going to be a massive asset for us going into this weekend's game. Emma Zouch as well having a good season, named in the best nine times and 25 goals to her name. Yeah, she's just come back from having a kid. So she's, she's been doing quite well for, for that. Um, we get to have Harry on the sidelines. But 
she's she's a very experienced player. She was our captain before she went out to have her child. Um, just a really consistent player, really um, got a lot of time as well and just a really good finisher. So we're very lucky to have her back this season. It's safe to say you're having an OK season yourself, named in the best six times, 17 goals to your name. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why I was playing in full forward this year, but uh, it, it's just it's been good just filling in for Wally before she gets back. But, yeah, now I get to go play play wherever they need me. But um, I know I was surprised I had an all right season this year. It's um, been a little bit chaotic just kind of getting chucked around. But, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can keep it up for this weekend's game. We've been focusing a lot on the forwards, but who have been some of your standout defenders throughout this 2019 campaign? Uh, well, Mel Pello has been amazing. She was our club best and our team's best and fairest last year. She's just a really consistently good player, always back her into a marking contest, um, got a lot of time, always looks for the switch. She's just an amazing defender and we really just really back her down there. But it's also really exciting to see Natasha Mackay. Uh, she's just come back from an ACL injury as well. Um, but she, she's played, she's an under-18s player as well. Just a strong body, really hard, really clean below her knees. Um, and a massive asset coming back into um, the, the back end of, of the season for us. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how she goes this weekend. Of course, it's a big club at Balconnen with the men's and all the junior programs behind you. So what's the support been like from the other sides getting behind the women as you count down the days to Saturday, September 7th for the grand final? Oh, it's been it's been amazing. Uh, it's like it's awesome having our Div Two men and our Div One men um, in grand finals on the same day as well. So they'll play before us. Um, we also had our regional men win their their grand final last weekend as well. So we're going to have it's going it's a massive um, weekend for us, and it's, it's a great feel around the club. We do Thursday night. Uh, we do Thursday night grub night. So it's always awesome. We get down. We have chicken kiabs last weekend. It's just like have a bit of a feed, have a yarn, see how we go over the weekend. But the feel around the club has been amazing. And last night with uh, with our Div Two um, men's Luke McGilvray winning the Div Two men's uh, medal, um, Bo Walker winning the. Mulroney medal and the Mags winning the league best of Ferris last night. It's just everyone's so pumped for the weekend. It's amazing. From your point of view, what needs to go right? What do you need to excel at this Saturday to give yourselves a shot of taking home the cup? Um, I think we just need to really just play as a team. Uh, We haven't had, like I said earlier, uh, we've only played together with our full strength side of four times. So I think just really coming together as a team, not getting frustrated with each other is going to be a massive one. We also just need to back ourselves in with the, with take a few risks, not just try and go straight down the line, have a look across field um, and see if we can run around Queen this weekend. That's going to be a massive one. Um, also just got to back our forwards in. You, you've mentioned how many goals they've kicked this year. If they're, if they're on, then we're on. So, yeah. Well, Amber, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you and the Belcon and Magpies all the very best as you take on the Quimbian Tigers in the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival as we take a look to the AFL Canberra first grade women's grand final this weekend. It's great to have on the line the coach of the Quimbian Tigers women's side in Chris Clifton. Chris, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Peter. Yourself? I'm feeling fine as we near grand final day. And for more importantly, you as a coach, have the nerves start to hit? Uh, uh, not really. It's um, it's a pretty good week that we, we do it at the, the Tigers. Um, I've been pretty lucky to have a couple of grand finals in the under-18s as boys. And, you know, it was um, unfortunate not to win, get any of the wins in that one. So <laughs> it's uh, third time lucky, hopefully, this week uh, with, with the girls. A dominant year for the Quimbian Tigers women's side, a 14-1 record and a percentage of nearly 800. Yeah, we've, uh, we've, we've stuck to our guns and uh, what we did um, sort of at the start of the year and we sort of sat down as a group um, and said, you know, uh, coming off the, the loss last year of the grand final for the girls, we, we sort, of, uh, sort of came to the conclusion that, you know, what we were doing and how we were doing it wasn't good enough um, and we had such a, a great bunch of girls uh, there that wanted to taste the success and obviously hurting from last year and we sort of sat down and come up with a plan together and said this is how we're going to play football and uh, we looked at our strengths and weaknesses um, and you know and we just went with a plan of attack and went straight into it so uh, it turned out quite well the way we wanted it and it's been successful so far to date. So you played the Belcon and Magpies in the major semi-final for the right to have a week off and go through to the grand final. And it was actually pretty tough going there in the first half. You only had a five-point lead there at half-time. Yeah, it was, um, it was a contested game, um, very scrappy. Um, I think the girls were obviously nervous um, going into it with uh, coming into the first final and knowing what's on the line at the end of it. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's always... Uh, in the back of their minds, it's probably the hardest game to win, I think, that um, qualifying final because, you know, the girls are thinking that maybe, you know, next week if we don't get up, we've always got a chance or, you know, do they make the decision with their head over the ball, win win the contested ball and, and hopefully come out with, a, with the goods at the end of the game um, to put yourself in that best position for the final. So we were very lucky to, to, to do that. And as I said, the first half was very, very tough. Belconnen came out and... They gave us everything, um, and that's something we addressed at halftime. We just needed to lift our intensity and our pressure and get back to playing our football. And what turned around for you there in that second half? Because you opened up the margin to 20 points at three-quarter time for the eventual 25-point win. Uh, we didn't make many structural changes. We did make some positional changes. Uh, we kept to our structures um, and, and just really highlighted the fact that um, although you know the, the emphasis is on winning the final to get yourself into the grand final, at the end of the day, it's, it's a brand of football that we want to continue to play. So we've got to try and block out those influences, make sure that we're we're first for the contested ball each single time, and you know, um, and hopefully, you know, we, we get to play our brand of football um, with a lot of connect and connections involved in it, and um, you know, and the groups working together um, to achieve their goals within their line. How have you approached having the week off? Is it a case of just give the girls a, a chance to take the weekend off, relax and refresh? Or did you try and uh, ramp up training to, I guess, make up for the lack of not being able to play that physical match? Um, no, I think um, I, I, it's not the fact that I don't think we had the physical um, capacity to match Belcona because I think we did that quite well in the second half. It was just more about the reality of it. And as far as uh, the preparation we just try and keep to our normal routine. Um, it was a very exciting week uh, off the track for us because we had our um, second grade girls. They, they played off in the grand final, losing 
uh, by five points on the weekend and that was pretty great for the club as well considering you know having two teams progress through to the grand final in different areas uh, of the competition one in regional and, and one in the local so um, the week has been pretty good for them it's been pretty standard uh, week probably a little bit lighter um, into going in just to conserve a little bit more energy I guess and not overload it I think the, the fact that you're not going to get any fitter um, in, in, in a week and a half is something we look at we just concentrate a lot more on our craft and um and making sure that we understand our roles and responsibilities going into the game and, and everyone's good to go. And you talked about that second women's side. Of course, obviously, you've got the men's sides and juniors there, the Quimby and Tigers. How have the club as a whole got around the women's first grade side as you come to this grand final? Uh, it's pretty special. I mean, the club itself is a very tight club. I don't know, for those who've probably had um, um, some exposure to Quimby and Tigers, it's a very family orientated club in relation to volunteers, players. Uh, officials, coaches, everyone gets along very well. So um, the support, regardless of what team's playing and what final, is a, is a pretty amazing. I've been to a few footy clubs and, um, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anything like what um, Queen Bin Tigers provide in their, in their volunteer base and their support that they give you around the club, the, you know, the media coverage um, that they do for the girls. Um, it's, it's pretty special. Um uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's why once people go there, they, they tend to not leave or they definitely call it their home and come back. Let's talk about some of the form of your players coming into this grand final. Uh, I want to highlight uh, Ella Ross, uh, nominated uh, in the team's best in all 16 games that she's played this year. Yeah, um, yeah she's, she's, she's quite something. Um, she brings a lot of experience from her you know, inaugural AFLW season breakout with GWS. Um, she, you know, she spent a bit of time with VFL Richmond, um, and uh, you know, and she, she's a, a Queanbeyan girl. Um, went off, obviously, and brought that experience back, um, and it sort of stands out in the field. She's got, she's got great form and consistency is probably the, the key there that she provides. Um, the midfield group, um, fantastic work uh, that she does in there. So yeah. A couple of other players to mention are Carly Rez, named in the best 10 times, as well as Kate Woodward, named in the best eight times. Yeah, um, Carly's our captain and, you know, what a, what a great leader she is. She she sets examples on the field and off the field. Um, you know, and another player that's very consistent with um, week in, week out, which is I know, great for our leadership um, uh, and setting examples across the board. And Kate Woodward, um, you know, she's a first-year player to AFL uh, when she first came to the club uh, towards the end of last year for a bit of a tour and um, held a football and started to kick it. We thought, oh, this is going to be a bit raw of a play here. We didn't know where she would fit in. We, were, we honestly thought she'd probably play twos, but she picked the game up really well as a natural athlete coming out of um, playing with state representative um, netball, you know, from the age of 15 through to, you know, 25, um, in, and representing in different states of you know, Queensland, Canberra, and, and Tasmania, um, and she's just a, a wonderful sportswoman and um, and a great athlete. And she comes in as our number one ruckman, and and she's doing some amazing stuff. So great first year for her. Let's talk about the curious case of Jessica Stramandinoli. Uh, she's kicked 33 goals for the season, named in the best seven times, and played in two GWS VFLW Invitational matches. Curiously. Once for the GWS against Essendon, and then the following game for Collingwood against the GWS. Yeah, it's a bit of um, a story, I guess, for her, and a bit of a journey. Like, 
Um, she's a, a driven woman who, who wants to, to make it in, in AFLW and, you know, and I think she will um, um, at some point, whether it's this year or, or in, into the future, um, you know, as well as the outer session sort of stuff that happens behind the scenes, I guess, with recruitment and um, and clubs' interests. You know, they, they, they want to make sure that the, the clubs are, are getting what they, what they want so they... They offer those um, girls to come in from interstate, I guess, and have a look around and a bit of a tour. So she, we're able to, um, I suppose, let her go off and do that. Um, uh, and it was at our, at our at the club, I guess, with the first and second grade girls. We, we're trying, you know, we've put 46 girls through first grade this year, and we're trying to really build that depth. So opportunities um, when we when we do lose a first grade player to go down and. Um, experience some of that AFLW uh, stuff that you know she wants to chase that dream. It gives the opportunities for the second grade girls to come up and fill those positions. So um, you know it's it's not a bad thing, and um, it might seem a little bit weird at stages, but if that's the journey she's got to take to get there, obviously she's prepared to do it, and we're prepared to support her. So um, she's she's a little bit unlucky probably to miss out on the the BNF for the league uh, last night. She uh, went down by four votes. Uh, to uh, um, Maggie Gorham um, and missed three or four games. So, um, yeah, a little bit unlucky there, probably. Jacqueline Parry, only played 11 games, but a return of 56 goals, including three goals for you in the major semi final. Yeah, pretty special, eh? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah she's, she's another girl that um, uh, she was playing in a, in a lower level. Um, 12 months ago and I got, received a phone call from her coach which I knew through the coach networks in, in, in uh, Canberra and you know um, Jackie obviously approached the coach at the time Russ Stewart and said hey um, I want to take it a little bit further and you know they advised her to go and get herself involved with a first grade club and Russ knew me so um, you know we made a connection and we brought her in and uh, we were able to sort of uh, invested a little bit of time into her to, to bring her skill level up and get her to where she needs to be. Now she's off and flying and, you know, she's a fantastic player and got a great amount of talent. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, she's probably going to be of interest into AFLW in the future as well. And obviously we highlight a lot of forwards and midfielders, but from your point of view, who have been some of the defensive players that have actually stood out through this 2019 campaign? Yeah, we... we, um, we but we've got, we've got a great defensive group, um, and unfortunately, we lost two girls this year due to injury. One from an ACL, um, Amy Marshall, who came from uh, Newcastle, um, who landed on our doorstep uh, late last year as she separated from defence, and uh, um, and then uh, Tegan Tismo who broke her hand. Um, and they both girls were representatives in the North South game for the rep game here in in Canberra. Um, you know, we won't have them going into these finals, and we haven't had them for the last four or five weeks. But they've been fantastic, and probably should deserve a mention in, in our defensive structures. Um, but we, we have a, a you know hybrid group of girls who can rotate through midfield, forward, defensive um, players, and, and we've built a really good outside um, group of girls that can go in all those different positions. Um, uh, you know, we brought in Amy Dwyer, came back from injury this year, and she's she's taken up the role from Tegan Tizner at fullback, and um, she's only had three games back, but you know she's doing fantastic. Um, Lexi Hamilton, Jewel forward and back, uh, Jade Hamilton, her sister as well. Um, we have you know um, Caitlin Doblin, uh, sorry Caitlin Dobbing, who's also fitting in both uh, back and forward. So we we have a multiple group of players that can play anywhere, and I guess that's sort of 
a testament to the versatility of the girls and, and what they've been working on throughout the year. From your point of view, what does the side need to do right to be able to knock off Balconnen and take home the Premiership? Yeah, I think um, the, the, the key thing for any final, I mean, you can have as much talent in that group of players and you can have the best coaches in the world, but, you know, it's the mortar and bricks that make it up and, and the girls have to turn up to want to play and want to win. Um, you know, we, we've got... We know that Balcon's probably a little bit inexperienced compared to us. We've got a, a number of experienced players, so our girls have been there and and, and felt the pain of, of losing the grand final from last year. And I guess we'll, we'll have a little bit more of a, of a advantage in that area with some of the girls coming in, knowing exactly, you know, what it feels like to lose and how much you've actually got to raise that next level. But realistically, I think you know, as I said, you can have the best players, and you know, we've got an outstanding lineup, and so has Balcon and. And it's really whoever's going to turn up and want to want to win and want to play um, the brand of football that you, you've stamped yourself out throughout the year. Um, Belcon are coming home really strong and they're doing fantastic. So um, it's going to be a really cracking match. I reckon it might even be the match of the day. Um, and it will start at five thirty, so it's going to go into the night, and it's going to be a really good, really good showcase, I think, for the for the current girls. Uh, I, realistically, I think there's probably about six or seven girls in that group between the two teams that could get drafted into AFLW. No worries. Well, Chris, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you and the Quimbian Tigers all the very best against the Balcon and Magpies this Saturday, 5.30pm in the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final. Hey, thanks very much, Peter. It's been great. Once again, thanks to Amber and Chris for their time. And if you want to watch the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final this Saturday, 5.30pm, check it out via the AFL Canberra Facebook page for the live stream of that Grand Final. We'll have more Women's Australian Rules football on RSN Carnival coming up in just a moment. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au you're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. It's time for our look now at women's footy on the international scene. Coming up shortly, all the women's footy from Ireland and Germany. Score checks from the United States and Canada. But first, we check in with the president of AFL Asia on how the AFL Asian Championships went over the weekend in Thailand. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival to take a look back at the AFL Asian Championships, which we previewed last week. It was out in Pattaya, Thailand. It's great to have on the line the president of AFL Asia in Matt Gale. Matt, how are you? Good, thank you, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all. I'm imagining you've probably got your feet up now after what's been a very big weekend in Thailand. <laughs> Uh, some may think that, but it's um, it's a matter of collating information from the weekend, uh, putting through some some uh, things for the club to ensure we get some feedback, um, but also wrapping everything up and, and ensuring everything finishes off very nicely. So, yeah, it's been a big weekend. Uh, fantastic to see footy growing right throughout Asia. Now, before we go into all the results and that, as we said last week, we were talking about the teams, but just quickly from an organisation point of view, talk about the work that went into uh, preparing for and hosting the big day last Saturday in Thailand. 
Oh, it's an enormous process, um, probably around six months' work in total and probably about a month afterwards. So um, once that all gets set in place, the host nation, the Thailand Tigers, were fantastic in being able to support us and assist us um, logistically and at ground level. Um, we've, we had a brilliant weekend with a record 24 teams across um, four divisions and introducing Division Three for the first time. They were very tightly in this net contest um, and the fact that we had two additional teams in the women's division was fantastic. It's been a real big focus of ours over the past two seasons. Well, let's talk about the women's division. Two new debutants. They were the Singapore Wombats and the host nation, the Thailand Tigers. How did they fare in their inaugural tournament? The Singapore Wombats uh, were very, very successful. I think they ended up finishing um, fourth on the day. Um, but they were terrific. They had some a really good contingent of um, expats as well as an Irish connection and some locals as well. So what they were able to produce in their initial uh, season, we're, we're really pleased with how they um, perform in their results. Um, Thailand Tigers struggled for numbers a little bit, but they're better for the run. Um, they've managed to, I think they might have finished sixth overall. Um, it was brilliant for them to actually have two players from the Philippines to fill in for them. So these sort of experiences will only lead them to be upwards and onwards from here. Now, the name escapes me for a moment, but I believe one of the Irish women playing for the Singapore side actually took out the uh, uh, Best Player for the Tournament award. Yeah, Sinead, uh, Sinead Kennedy, um, otherwise known as Red. Um, just looking at her polling last night when I was on the plane coming back from Thailand, um, she polled in every match, and I think she recorded uh, three best on grounds and a second on the, on the field for for Singapore. Um, again, another strong Irish connection, along with Lindsay Clark, who I really felt for her last year, not being able to get into the grand final, but to see her face um, receiving the trophy on Saturday night was absolutely superb. The other women's side taking part in the tournament, of course, as we interviewed last week, were Cambodia, Vietnam, Hong Kong and Malaysia. And uh, surprisingly, the reigning champions of Vietnam uh, failed to make the grand final. Vietnam had the, probably the strongest draw. Um, they'd come up against two of the top three in, in Hong Kong and um, and the Malaysian Warriors. So they played one of the one of the early debutants in Thailand in their first game, and it was a matter that they needed to sort of run the gauntlet. Which Hong Kong and um, Malaysian Warriors women were very successful in being able to do. So look, they they came a very gallant um, third. They were happy with their results. They didn't have the squad that they had from the previous year, but. I uh, just shows the strength and the development of the, the teams and getting better every year. And it looks like Cambodia finishing, uh, I think, fifth in the tournament as well. They're a side that's been around for a couple of years. Um, they, they do pick up the odd win throughout the year as part of their Indochina Cup tournament, just struggling to get the results at the moment in the, at the Asian tournament level. Yeah, they've had a um, few expats drop away in the past 12 months, um, but their local development is where it's at. So I think um, Cambodia is the leader in, in local development. And as you look through their list, it's it's probably about 70 to 80% of local talent. So, you know, we're really pleased. Sometimes you have to take a few steps back with local development to go forward. But um, you'll see some of the sides in Indonesia and um, the Philippines um, and even PNG somewhat, um, those that invest in in um, local talent will, will get reap the rewards in the long run. For Hong Kong, bridesmaids two years in a row. Uh, last year going down to Vietnam. This year they fell to Malaysia. Yes, they did. Um, last year they had a, a terrific run. Um, they hadn't actually played a game going to the Asian Champs last year. They had a stronger squad. 
Um, one of those things with the with the conditions on the day, it was a matter of scoreboard pressure from the outset, and um, I believe that Warriors women were able to do that. Um, so there always has to be one loser, unfortunately, and and the Hong Kong Dragons would have been a you know a very worthy winner if they were to get over the line. But um, unfortunately, they've been um, they runner up two years in a row. But they'll 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 work through this, and I'm sure they'll come back uh, pretty fired up next year to to amend their losses. The Malaysian Warrior women have been one of the big pushers behind women's football uh, in Asia, uh, particularly through their social media accounts. They finally made it to the grand final this year. Finally, reward for effort. They took home the championship trophy as well as the uh, leading goal kicker for the tournament. Yes, they did. Um, just looking at this leading goal kicker, she's a really strong target up forward. I didn't get to umpire the Malaysia Warrior women this year, unfortunately, but I know that... Uh, Brattles, uh, their their forward, full forward, or probably play centre half forward, just a real key post up forward. Um, she dominates. She's uh, got an arm length on play. Really reads the play well, and you know, really key forward that uh, can rip sides apart if they get a run on. Uh, so it's been important. I think most of the sides really lack a forward that can read the play, and she's someone that can read the play really easily and, and set up and positions herself really well. People can see it for themselves, the grand final online amongst the men's divisions matches by going to the AFL Asia Facebook page. There's two sessions streamed there, which they can watch back. Um, how would you describe how the grand final played out? Uh, I was actually umpiring the third versus fourth. So um, one of the things we had this year, we had three three games played at three at the same time slot um, across all four divisions. So there was a consistent amount of rest between all the sides. So I, I didn't really have any an inkling of what was going on until I got told after the game. So, unfortunately, I can't give you too much feedback. But um, I imagine it was a pretty tightly fought game um, and, and goals were like diamonds in the rough because uh, considering the conditions and it was uh, quite blustery throughout the day, those goals that were kicked, particularly early on, would have counted big time. And let's just talk about that for a moment because you were umpiring out there. How much has the skill development changed for women's football in AFL Asia compared to 12 months ago? Uh, I think the skill sets, particularly for the those that are established from last year, they've got an understanding of uh, where to position themselves. Um, maybe last year we saw more of the Gaelic throw or the flick pass, but now they're more into the actual um, uh, hand, hand passing. Um, for, uh, midfielders are prepared to take a bounce and take on players. Um, defenders are punching well and using the boundary line, although we use the AFLW rule where you could you could have there would be a throw in uh, inside the arc, but the overall match play, um, the thing that's really impressed us as an AFL Asia entity is the the women and their man of um, respect and the strong network that they have amongst each other. Um, so it's it's they're, they're driving themselves. We've we've given them the ownership, and I guess for them and for us, it's paying off in space. So we're really pleased with the development of women's footy, and we look forward to further growth next year and beyond. And what are at least the plans for next year? Has the venue been announced yet and dates for the 2020 version of the AFL Championships? And, and what are some of the hopes about representation at uh, IC 2020? We haven't um, put forward any any venues or any dates at this stage. Um, we're going to work with the clubs over the coming weeks um, if there's any submissions as to who would like to host. We're very limited at the moment as we require three grounds. Um, to host an Asian champs, and unfortunately, only uh, Malaysia and um, and our 
hosts on the weekend. The Thailand Tigers are, are, are capable of hosting the tournament. So uh, it's a matter of working through that. The IC teams next year, um, I don't think there's going to be any women representation from Asia, but there'll obviously be the Chinese um, side, the Japan Samurai's, Indonesian Garuda's in the men's division. They've really tightened back on um, being able to register as, as a team um, because the, we saw with Sri Lanka, their, their men and women were based predominantly in, in Melbourne and India's quite the same and Pakistan, they're, they're set up in their governance of football and administration. We're pretty uncertain what's going on over there, so they won't be playing either. But um, there's the three teams that will play at this stage. Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And congratulations on another well-run tournament. And congratulations again to the Malaysia Warrior Women on being the AFL Asian Women's Champions for 2019. Peter, thank you very much for your support. And thank you very much for following us and really promoting our sport here in Asia. Thank you very much. Joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. As we head over to Germany, it's their big day coming up this Saturday. It is the AFL Germany Women's Grand Final being held in Cologne between the Berlin Crocodiles and the Hamburg Dockers. We've got on the line a woman you know from the GB Swans, but she's been helping set up women's football in Germany. It's great to have on the line Lisa Wilson. Lisa, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. Just getting really excited now for the weekend. Great to have you back on the line. And just quickly, how have you found your second year in Germany? Oh, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, when I came over, the plan was to get a national team started for, for Germany and also to get a women's league sorted and gone above and beyond what I thought we could do. And we've had a really successful 14 women's league this year and it's only going to get bigger and better next year. So I'm so happy with um, how things have turned out and the amazing women that we've, we've got on board this year to both help um, play, manage everything, coach the sport. Now, before we talk exclusively about the two teams that have made the grand final out, out of the four sides, I just want your thoughts on how they went through the season, uh, the bottom two sides, uh, that being, of course, the Southern Tiger Roos and the side that just missed out on making the finals, the uh, Rhein-Mine, pardon me, the Rhein-Mine Redcats. Yeah, so when we decided to, to set up the league, we were looking at the numbers of girls that we had playing in each of the cities. And unfortunately for, for Munich, Stuttgart, uh, Cologne and Frankfurt, they didn't quite have enough girls at the time to have their own team. So with the geography of the country, we decided to put the Munich and the Stuttgart teams together and the Frankfurt and the Cologne teams together. And um, obviously that can be advantageous, but also has the disadvantages that the teams don't train regularly together they don't know each other as much um, and so it's, it's worked out that the two stronger teams have been the sort of independent teams in, in Hamburg and Berlin um, however we are constantly doing everything we can to support the, the other cities and next year Cologne so it will be Rhineland Lions will have their own separate women's team and so will the Frankfurt Redcats so we'll already be expanding next year to, to five teams um, and then hopefully in the future we can push it so that the Southern Tigers as well can be their own separate teams and will be a seven-team league. Um, so, yeah. Fantastic numbers and fantastic growths. But let's have a look at those two main teams. First of all, the side that uh, finished second through the year, the Hamburg Dockers. Uh, they've played the Berlin Crocodiles twice this year and the margin has gotten smaller over the occasion. Uh, Berlin with a big 37-point win back in round three. But in round five... It was just two points the difference in Hamburg. 
Yeah, so when we headed over to Berlin, we actually had a number of injuries that really affected the squad. Um, we lost our captain to a, a thumb injury, so she had to have an operation. We lost um, our fullback the night before. She dislocated her finger playing with a football in the kitchen where she was staying. And then in the first two minutes of the game, our full forward got knocked out of the game with concussion. So within the space of about 24 hours, we were three of our strongest players down which obviously really, really messes with rotations. Um, so that hit us as a bit of a shock, uh, especially having a player going down with a really bad concussion in the first two minutes. So um, when the Berlin team came over to visit in, us in Hamburg, we really felt like, you know, we needed to show them that a 32-point win isn't what we're uh, lost, isn't what we're about. And we really, really took it to us. We had a full, uh, fresh squad, really excited to go. And um, yeah, just, just two points in the end um, but we're not worried about that because at the end of the day the only win that counts is the one um, in the grand final so hopefully we will get that one on Saturday Indeed that's this Saturday 7th of September 1.30pm in Cologne can you talk us through a little bit about the venue um, so I'm not so we're actually the venue that the they normally play on Cologne is not where we're going to be playing um, this weekend as the men play 16 aside competition and the field normally used in Cologne is it's just designed for nine aside, so it will be a, a field where we'll have to modify it for the women, as the men will be playing after us uh, sixteen aside. So we'll start with a smaller pitch for the women, and then and then increase it. But it's a pretty central location, so hopefully we'll have um, a lot of onlookers coming coming by to see what sport it is we're playing, and hopefully uh, get some excitement around the sport in Cologne. So talk us through some of the better players that we're expected to see for both the Hamburg Dockers and the Berlin Crocodiles this weekend. So the in Hamburg, our team is um, made up of, we've got uh, 10 Germans and four expats, two of which are Australian. So we're a really, really heavily loaded German team, which is exactly what we want when we're trying to grow the sport here in, in Germany. And five of those 10 German girls are from the starting nine in the German Eagles team that came third in the Euro Cup. So we've got a really strong basis there of, of our German players. Um Especially um, special mention to um, our two of our, our key players, so Jen English, um, who came uh, as part of team of the tournament in the 2000 uh, this year's Euro Cup, and Theresia Meissner, who was team of the tournament last year um, and team of the tournament in the Champions League for us. So two really really strong players there who. Hopefully, I'm hoping at some point we'll decide to move over to Australia because I want them to go and play in the AFLW. So I'm still nagging them about that. So hopefully they'll go over there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we've got some really strong forwards. So we've got Rach Atkinson, whose parents are actually over from Australia and going to be watching her in the final. So um, really exciting times for her having her parents there. And then on the, the Berlin side of things, so they've got a lot of strong players. Um, uh, they have a, quite a lot of Australians uh, in their team. Berlin being the capital is obviously um, attracts quite a lot of um, Australian expats over there. Um, in particular, they have um, Annie Schuring, who had previously played for the Brisbane Lions before she moved over to Germany. So that was before they became an, an AFLW team. So obviously that's a, a lot of uh, extremely high talent that they have there um, and experience. Um, and they're, they're one of their key players, Kat, played actually for the New York Magpies in uh, in, in the States. And uh, she holds back the, the fullback line really strongly there. So um, the good thing is, is we, we've played against them twice now. We know what their strengths are. We know what their weaknesses are. And we've just got to try and use them to beat them on Saturday. 
That's going to be a big grand final, the Berlin Crocodiles and the Hamburg Dockers this Saturday, 1.30pm. And just focusing quickly beyond that, uh, you've only got a, a month to go until the German women uh, compete for the first time as a national side at a 16 or 18 aside level, uh, competing in the European Championship in London. Yeah, so I will be heading over with the girls as the assistant coach. Uh, so really, really looking forward to that. Obviously, I'd much rather be playing for the GB team, but at the end of the day, I, I, my main goal is always to grow the sport as much as we can. So the fact that I can support in getting a, a third national team there is, is fantastic. And we're really going to take it to the, the GB and the Ireland team. Again, obviously, we'll be going in as the underdog being the, the newest team and um, a lot of our girls have never had any 18-a-side experience, but we've really got some extremely talented players, some um, and some really passionate girls that you know they train extra sessions every week so that they can get ready for this competition. So uh, yeah, can't wait to take it to the the GB and the Irish girls and hopefully give them a bit of a surprise. Well, Lisa, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we hope it all goes very well this Saturday for the AFL Germany Women's Grand Final of 2019, Berlin versus Hamburg. Super. Thank you so much for having me. And Lisa also wanted to pass on the message that the AFL Germany Women's Grand Final will be live streamed this Saturday. That's 1.30pm local time, which translates to about 9.30pm Saturday night Melbourne time. You can find it online by Google searching Deutschland TV. So again, search for Deutschland TV to watch the AFL Germany Women's Grand Final, 1.30pm local time, 9.30pm Saturday night Melbourne time. Time to check in with some scores for the United States, Australia Football League. Only the one match played over the weekend in the women's. That was the Texas Cup with the Austin and Dallas combination 5-2-32. Defeated Houston 2-2-14. Over in the AFL Ontario women's competition, they've got semi-finals action coming up this Sunday, 7th of September at Humber College South. It's the Edpico Kangaroos versus the High Park Demons. While Mohawk Park, it's the Hamilton Wildcats versus the Ottawa Swans. Joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival to take a look back at the opening round of the AFL Ireland Women's Premiership for 2019 as well as some AFLW news. It's great to have on the line Michael Curran. Michael, how are you? Hi, Pierre. Great to be back online with you. Well, before we talk about the Premiership, some important news. The 14th and 15th women, respectively, from Ireland to join the AFLW have been signed. Let's first of all start by your thoughts on another Irish woman going to North Melbourne, Mayo's Eileen Gilroy. Oh, Peter, it's unbelievable. Yeah, up to 15 Irish girls now playing in AFLW 2020. Um, as you just said, two girls announced again this week just before the, the rookie deadline there on August 30th. Um, Aileen Gilroy, yeah, a fantastic footballer from uh, Mayo, another Mayo girl to go down under. Uh, she's a very strong midfield player. She's just come back from being out injured from a, a cruciate ligament injury. So she's had a big recovery um, back in action for Mayo this year. And now the fantastic news that she's heading down to North Melbourne. And of course, she will be joining up with our own Maraid Choiga there as well. So great to see uh, two Irish girls heading to North Melbourne Kangaroo for 2020. And the 15th Irish woman to go, which was just announced on Monday, is Joanne Doonan. She's off to Carlton. Joanne Doonan, yeah, becomes the first Irish player to, to sign for Carlton um, Women's Football Club. Uh, again, a fantastic story. Joanne is a captain of the Fermanagh Ladies Gaelic Football Team here in Ireland, and they're actually qualified through to the All-Ireland Intermediate Final or Junior Final, which is on in... Um, two weeks' time. So 
as well as juggling um, her GA season. She's been working hard on her AFL through the last few months. And Joanne was playing in our own competitions here. Uh, she played in our City Blitz competition in Dublin with Lissy Blues and also in our Australian Tax Super 7s. And obviously she attended the cross-coders camps in May as well. So over the last few months, she's been doing as much as she can uh, with football, put in a great effort. And we're all absolutely thrilled to t- see her sign for Carlton after a flying visit out to Melbourne there um, the week before last for three days. So fantastic news. If we look at the number of Irish women playing in the AFLW, it started off with one in 2017. That, of course, was Laura Duray, uh, Nick Corrigan. Um, she, of course, played for Melbourne, but had been out in Australia for a number of years. The first woman directly recruited out of our Ireland was then Cora Stoughton in 2018. Through the Crosscoders program, that then went to, I believe, five in 2019. That is now tripled to 15. How does that actually compare against the amount of Irish men playing in the AFL? I'm actually just doing the, the research here today, Pete, but I am pretty sure, and I stand corrected, but my records have it that there are 14 men currently signed with AFL uh, men's clubs in Australia. So Joanne Doonan at number 15 now seems to tip the balance in favour of the women, and there are now more women signed to play AFL professionally than men for 2020 season. So that is absolutely phenomenal. As you say, over a short period of time from AFL W1, the AFLW4. I'm just looking at the list here in front of me. There's 15 girls. Multiple clubs have two players now at each club. We have only a tie in Kate Flood at Fremantle Dockers, uh, Grace and Eve Kelly at West Coast Eagles, Maria Choiga and Aileen Gilroy at North Melbourne, um, Ashling Sheridan and Sarah Rowe at Collingwood, Ashling McCarthy and Katie Heron at Bulldogs, Orlo O'Dwyer up to Brisbane, um, Forrest Staunton and Yvonne Bonner at GWS, and of course our uh, champion from last year, Ailish Constein, back at Adelaide Crows again. So absolutely crazy stuff. 15 girls uh, spread all across the clubs, all across Australia. And that, of course, is not to mention the number that are playing at state league level over here as well. The, just the amount alone in the AFLW, you've almost got a full side there. And funny enough, what a month or so ago, we we're talking about the possibility of should there be an Ireland versus Australia international rules women's game. How the numbers are going at the moment, we could seriously be talking about in a couple of years an Ireland versus Australia or at least Indigenous side uh, Australian rules match. Absolutely, yeah, um, absolutely, Peter. Yeah, the, the amount of girls playing at that level now, um, obviously there's the potential there to play internationally. We have our Irish band chiefs here already and our national AFL um, Aussie rules team. But in terms of girls actually based over there in Melbourne, playing at both AFLW and, as you say, the, the sprinkler girls playing in AFLW and the state leagues as well, there's now serious competition there. And I'd love to see a game uh, such as the one you just mentioned takes place and who's not to say that that won't happen in the next couple of years the way things are going. Everything's moving with such speed and everything's progressing so quickly that um, it'd be great to see some of these games taking place as well. Let's talk about what's happening in your backyard. Of course, uh, the weekend just gone. We had the round one of the AFL Ireland Women's Premiership. How did round one fare? Yeah, we were back in action after a short mid-season break after the Australian Tax Super 7. So round one was uh, Saturday in Island Bridge in Dublin. Uh, we had four teams taking part and rocking up for round one. Uh, West Air Waves defending champions, Dublin Angels, Cork Vikings and West Dublin Garrisons. So uh, across the day, um, we had a number of fantastic games again. Um, West Air Waves really came out of the blocks uh, sprinting, I suppose, again, as they finished last year with 
four wins for the day going undefeated and were pretty impressive throughout, um, including some new players debuting again. Uh, best on ground for West Wales across the day were uh, Elio Gorman and Anya Tai, uh, who's shortly off to Fremantle Dockers. And we also had some strong showing showings there in terms of goal kicking with uh, Sharon Ryan from Wales kicking five, Anya Tai kicking four, Michaela Glynn kicking four, Roisin Constant kicking three. So um, really strong performance throughout the day. It was also great to see Cork Vikings back. Um, it was their first competitive action actually since last year's grand final. And it's largely a new look side uh, this year after some strong recruiting over the last couple of months. And they've been training pretty hard here in Cork and I've been doing a bit of work with the girls myself and they're being driven on mainly by um, Olivia Artez who's their US national um, player and she's um, their captain this year and Olivia of course won the best and fairest at the recent Super 7 so they're um, building again this year they had two wins for um, on Saturday and again some strong showings from some of the new players there um, with the best on ground for Vikings going to Maria Quirk um, who was playing on our first competitive matches. Uh, Dublin Angels then uh, took out one win for the day. And again, um, the story could have been a whole lot different. They were very competitive from start to finish, but were unfortunate to lose two players prior to kickoff, um, two, two strong forward players in Ashton Gillespie and Sorsha Nolan due to illness and um, Sorsha having to play a GDA match. But on top of that, then they lost a player, uh, one of their strong players, Michelle Curley, early in the first game due to injury. So they kept plugging away and came away with a well-deserved win for the day. And then um, we had West Dublin Garrisons, our new our new team from this season, um, who didn't get a win on the day, but again, looked like they're going to cause a lot of teams a lot of problems over the next couple of rounds. So it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Best on ground for Dublin Angels was um, a debuting player, Siobhan Mooney, and the experienced Laura Flannery. And for West Dublin Garrisons, was Sinead Comerford and we also for the round had a special Rising Star Award for one of the new younger players who was Emer Keane from West Clare Waves. So all in all, a fantastic game of football. In summary, um, we're just prepping the premiership ladder here. West Clare Waves will be top with four wins. Cork Vikings will be second with two wins. Dublin Angels in third with one win and West Dublin Garrison is currently in fourth uh, yet to pick up their win. And we're already looking forward to round two, which takes place on Saturday the 14th of September in two weeks' time, where we also have the possibility of some additional teams um, entering the competition at that stage. So, yeah, all very exciting, and we're up and running. And, Michael, I guess the question should be asked. The competition's been going for a couple of years now. Have you found the standard evolve over those few years? And secondly, how important is it for a handful of those AFLW rookie players to be playing in this competition to prepare themselves for AFLW 2020? Yeah, absolutely. The, the standard is, is rising all the time, uh, Peter. You know, the more players that are getting involved, the standard across all the teams is, is getting much better. Um, we've been having multiple competitions now, right from our, our Universities Cup to our City Blitzes to our Super Sevens, all building up to the Premiership and all those players are now feeding back into the Premiership. And even day on day, not to mind week on week, what we're seeing is the, the more games these girls play, the better they get, they get the more familiar with the rules and they're more familiar with the plays, and they're just getting stronger and stronger. And absolutely, um, with some of the AFL girls, or AFLW girls there as well, it's, it's great to see them playing in the competition. They're obviously honing their skills, and they're getting in some game simulations, some match practice before they head over. We're working with some of the clubs in terms of 
preparing the girls and doing some extra skills works and drills works and sessions. So it's fantastic to see the girls um, playing. Obviously, Anya was playing at the weekend again. Uh, Kate Flood has played in some of our competitions. Joanne Dunan has played. Marie Chogia played all the last season, but currently very busy with Galway, who are also true to the All-Ireland final. But yeah, fantastic for our new girls um, at club level to see uh, the girls coming down and playing and having a kick with them. And they know these uh, players are heading off to Australia. It's just giving everybody a huge boost. And obviously, we have the prospect of the European Championships coming up now. And we have an Irish Banshee team to select which is going to be named after round two of the Premiership in a couple of weeks. So there's loads of stuff happening, all very exciting, great for all the players. Everybody's getting better week on week. And as the numbers of AFLW players keeps on rising, uh, the enthusiasm um, and new players coming on board here keeps rising with that too. Well, Michael, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks after round two is played in Island Bridge. Absolutely, Peter. Thanks very much. Look forward to speaking to you then. Don't go anywhere. We've got our State Leagues wrap coming up very shortly here in Webbins Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. It's time for our State Leagues wrap. Let's take a look back at the WAFLW competition. The semi-finals were played over the weekend in the major semi-final for the right to go straight through to the grand final. East Fremantle 6-6-42 defeated Subiaco 2-2-14. That means the Sharks have a week off and go straight through to the grand final. Subiaco now go to the preliminary final with they'll meet Swan Districts who 7-6-48 defeated Claremont 1-1-7 in the elimination semi-final. Here's Swan Districts coach Cara Dunallen. Some really tough conditions out there. Um, I think our early start kicking um, you know, three or four goals in the first half really helped us uh, before the, the strong winds and the strong rain came in. But a credit to our girls. I think they pressured from the get-go um, and you know, consistent through uh, all four quarters. There were no real standouts for me. I think everyone just played their role and that's all that I asked. Um, didn't really matter how we got the win, it was always going to be a bit of a slog fest in those um, tough conditions, um, but just making sure that we stuck to our structures and our game plan and played team footy, which I'm really, really proud of um, each and every player that pulled on the jumper today. So we'll regroup, we'll uh, review the game. So really proud of the girls, really great win and, and we're alive for one more week. So looking forward to it. The Tasmanian State League Women's Finals kicked off over the weekend. We're in the minor semi-final. Clarence, 8-7-55, defeated North Launceston, 3-3-21. Due to a quirk of their finals, Clarence will now have a week off before the preliminary final, as this week is the standalone major semi-final. It's on Sunday, the 8th of September at Winter Park, 12pm, where it's Launceston versus Glenorchy. The winner will have a week off and go straight through to the grand final, where Glenorchy will will play the following week against Clarence in the preliminary final. 
now time for us to look back at week one of the finals in the VFL women's competition. Coxie is away for the week, so again, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Very shortly, you're going to hear some audio from GoFooty.live and their chat with Jess Duff. And immediately after the Muggers win in the second elimination final, they fitted Geelong 9-2-56 to 6-7-43 to knock the Cats out of the finals. Here's Elise Totsis from GoFooty.live chatting with Melbourne Uni's Jess Duffin. I've managed to nab Jess Duffin. Jess, awesome game for you. How much does this mean, not just for yourself, but also for the uh, for the Muggers team? Yeah, obviously we had a bit of a slow start um, to the season. So to get our season back on track and to get through to another final, you know, it's a credit to what Scotty and the team are doing with the group. Any questions up there, guys, before I yeah. let Jess go? Yeah, Jess, just quickly, uh, obviously the impact of some of the players that have come into the side in the last 12 months, I think of players like, you know, Britt Gibson, um, Katie Ashmore, not so much today. It just helps to build a, uh, something, a core around, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, the ferocity that Britt brings to each game, um, she goes in hard for the ball and fairly too, which is always nice. And, um, you know, that just brings our intensity up every game that she plays. So, and, and obviously Cashy on the wing just gives us a little bit of dash. And, um, yeah. It's pretty good to ha- handy to have those two in our team. Uh, Jess, just watch your uh, history in the game. You look really poised and relaxed and calm uh, back there in defence. Have you been playing women's footy a long time? Um, on and off I have. With um, Obviously I was playing cricket as well, so any season I could I, I used to play um, You know, for a few different teams. Um, but yeah, I, I just enjoy the game and I'm just really enjoying playing and the opportunity to play both sports. So um, you know, I'm very fortunate that North Melbourne allow me to do that and also the Melbourne Renegades, so I'll do it for as long as I can. Uh, good stuff you do, particularly good today. And uh, you were under a lot of pressure at times there during the game, but um, you managed to stay, you and your, your, your other backline players managed to stay pretty calm through most of that pressure? Yeah, I think you have to in conditions like today. Um, the wind does often take the ball um, that we noticed a couple of times. So, um, yeah, you just got to gain a bit of composure and wait for the, the leaders up the up the forward line to give us some options. In the qualifying final that we covered on RSN Carnival 2, Collingwood 3-3-21 defeated the Southern Saints one straight six for the Pines to go straight through to the major semi-final and the Saints to go through to the minor semi-final. Here was Lucy Watkin, Nicole Graves and Meg Hutchins dissecting the game after the final siren. Yeah, look, I think um, I, I think also, you know, it shows how important it is to to get that home qualifying final as well. I, I would argue that potentially, you know, had the Saints finished on top um, and the game been played at Trevor Bark or Oval, the, the result may have been different because they do play that ground really, really well. And um, clearly, you know, the Pies know this ground very, very well and understand, um, you know, what you need to do when the winds are doing particular things. So, yeah, of course, the Saints will be really disappointed um obviously you know a bit a bit flat as well having sustained a couple of injuries as well um throughout the game but um you know the beauty of finishing in the top two is you do get another chance to to rectify the situation and and to try and fix some of the the things that they didn't quite um do could do very well but you know all credit to the pies they they did their homework they knew exactly how the saints wanted to move the ball and they were able to defend it really well and then actually uh you know beat them on the counter it was quite an even contest for, you'd say, the first three quarters even. What do you think the difference was for Collingwood um, throughout the game? They were able to just get a bit more ascendancy than the Saints. Yeah, look, you know, we spoke earlier on about the AFLW players and, and what they bring to a, a, a team. And, um, look, I think probably that the A-graders of the Collingwood team um, were, were really the main difference, to be honest. You know, when, when a, a player needed a little bit more space and a little bit of a sidestep to, to get the ball forward, you had your, your Benicis, your Malloys and your Lamberts to be able to do that. I just don't think that the Southern Saints had that, you know, 
I wouldn't say they do have A grade talent, but not just the A plus yeah. talent, that really elite talent. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably for me was was the main difference is that those players able just to find a little bit more time and, and just hit some targets, um, hit some targets and just get some territory along the way. And Nicole, what was the difference for you for Collingwood? Oh, listen, it was just really their finishing. Uh, their finishing skills. I've got, as I said, we spoke about the big names early uh, and that's all good, but, you know, we also spoke about those middle-tier players and Collingwood, you know, their two kids um, in Xenos and you help me with the word. LaGoya. LaGoya, I will get that. LaGoya and Xenos, I thought, were really effective around as those extra players where those kids are around, the Lamberts, Leightons, um, you know, and Chloe Malloy, obviously, just stepping up when Chloe has to. The finishing off of Lambert, uh, unbelievable. Whereas, you know, I think with St Kilda, yep, it was serviceable, but in and out, not as consistent as those those names at Collingwood. With you know, Kate Shearlaw certainly having some, and um, Alison Brown, um, you know, Guttridge and, and Lucas Rod out of defence were you know worked really hard. Young Drennan as well, um, and, and uh, Greiser I thought was excellent. You know, really worked hard. And most of those players were working back and forth. You saw Guttridge not just in defence, but up in the forward line and vice versa with Greaser, both Greiser, both sides. And, and as I said, at the end of the day, when you've got, you know, Lambert at one end with sneaky, with those sneaky goals and Malloy at the other end, just stopping them and reading the play beautifully, it's really hard, um, to, to gain momentum against those really elite you know, and they are really elite players of the AFLW. So the exciting thing is that Chloe Malloy will be back to see AFLW4 and we can't wait to see those types of players playing uh, in the top competition. It's going to be really good. So, yeah, St Kilda would be bitterly disappointed. You know, they really had plenty of the footy. You know, it was there was just there was plenty to, to like about both sides, but I think the conditions and the way that, you know, that um, Collingwood set themselves up and set themselves up around St Kilda to push them into these tight contests, which St Kilda don't like doing, you know, there was, you know, there was probably a win uh, for Collingwood there as well, and I think that really just kept St Kilda really tight, which they didn't want to do. And so, you know, even though when they were getting it, we just spoke about when they got it inside 50, it was only really shallow. They didn't get it really deep, whereas Collingwood, and as I said, Lambert's goals were all inside the square. Yeah. So it's not a bad, you know, so she kicked three goals uh, massing about uh, 12 and a half metres. <laughs> which sounds like, you know, it sounds like uh, spot on and certainly, you know, that was about my distance in my playing career too, <laughs> total. Uh, so yeah, so she, um, yeah, it was just fantastic. It shows how dangerous the ball is when it's that deep. Looks like the Tall's played a really big role for Collingwood as well, Meg. Yeah, again, we spoke about this earlier in the call. Is that you know Shani Layton and how she presented up the ground, um, really, really predictable to her own team. Um, but you know she was also taking marks. She wasn't being pushed under the ball. She was presenting, taking marks, and then. Getting handball, giving handball receives to her mids running through Benici, you know, Michaela can, you know, all those players coming through. And then they could actually get inside 50 with a bit more, um, you know, I'd say speed, but then also a little bit more precision as well. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the Collingwood Tools were probably a little bit more effective today than the, than the St Kilda Tools. Um, you know, I think Stacey Livingston did a great job down there rallying her backline troops and getting them into position where they could actually affect contests and not let the Southern Saints... Um, you know, key forwards actually, you know, 
do their work. Uh, Collingwood probably dropped off as well, dropped off you know some players into some leading lanes of their key forwards, but um, you know it does just come down to hitting up really hard, hitting up with real intent, and just launching at the football, which is what I think Sharni did really well. And in the first elimination final, the Western Bulldogs six straight thirty six hung on against Richmond. 4-7-31 in an absolute classic at Northport Oval. After the game, myself, Nicole Graves and Coach Kiwi dissected the game and I first started by asking Nicole Graves about the game of Mary Sandrell, in particular her final quarter when she really seemed to come into things and rack up the possessions. Yeah, I agree. And certainly just a sweeping across there and a lot of more of the Tigers players got busy. As I said, yeah, um, Frederick and, and Brennan were in and out of the game a bit and certainly stood up in that last quarter you start to call their names a little bit more and their experience in tight games both having played in grand finals um, certainly are never intimidated by a game that's going to be this tight so it was really important that they stood up when they did stand up as I said I thought Dempsey was fantastic for Richmond all day just really kept giving and giving and you know and I think Christy Lamb Kirsty Lamb Kirsty Lamb Kirsty Lamb thank you Um, yeah so it was really um, important for the dogs in that one, in that last quarter as well, just keeping it in there. And most quarters, but you know, probably consistent again um, in terms of the Dempsey stuff. Um, I, I just thought, as I said, Moody in the ruck, I thought was really dominant. You could see the moments when she came yeah. off for a rest that the Tigers did get a bit of dominance, and it was just that sitting. She sort of sits in, back in behind the foot in as a ruckman takes those tall marks and just gets it back in, just gets it going their way again. So, I thought that was it. McLeod was um, good for. Um, um, the dogs, you know, did things in and out. I'd like to see her, you know, sort of keep her feet a bit more. She probably doesn't need to fly for the ball. At one stage there, she actually flew over her own player, taking her own player out of the contest when it was really sort of detrimental. That player had front position and was probably a five foot ten player. So you, you need to back it in those times. And that's where, she, you know, it can be taken the mark by there. And the cloud running past because she's got, you know, she got fantastic speed. I'd like to see her stay on the ground and actually be that running outside player. One of but there was also standing out in the back line and it's going to be a great credit to the Bulldogs AFLW squad in their defensive half complementing Scott and Spark etc has been Ashley Guest yeah it's interesting isn't it um, yeah Guest sort of been uh been around a few clubs uh so yeah so she's <laughs> landed here at the dogs again and and listen she did yeah there was a couple of staunch def- uh, you know staunch in defense and as i said i thought the dogs defense was actually something that you know won the game for them um and but their defensive mindset because when it went in there attacking 50 of the dogs they were also prepared to do all that hard work all those tackles and set themselves up to keep the ball in there until they scored and it looks pretty fantastic doesn't it the dogs went inside 50 20 times for six goals straight. Now, it might look really flash, but they either kicked a goal or kicked it out of bounds on the full. So, winning at life, don't muck about with those points, I say, but certainly kicked it in there. To the you know, to the Tigers, 19 inside 50s for four goals, seven. So, you're sort of starting to rue your own game style there and those misses because, you know, that they're the h- hardest things in footy is when you have all the scoring shots, which means you know you're getting the footy, you're just not hitting that target. And it's, you know, women's footy's like that. We've, we've got to finish. Really just, important. Um, you know, I thought um, Nicole McMahon was pretty solid in defence, which is probably not a name that, you know, we speak a lot about. But I thought she covered a lot of ground and um, also Ali Gavalis coming through that midfield kind yeah. of 
area. She covered a lot through there, a lot of the tackles, a lot of the shepherds, and that kind of work that sometimes you don't get stats for, but um, becomes really key times for helping your teammates get the ball and turnovers and, and moving it forward. And um, and I really like, um, is this, if this is how I pronounce it correctly, Giorgio Stathis. Giorgio Stathis. Yeah. Georgia Stathis. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Because <laughs> her, parents, her like parents came up. Her parents came up and said, I'm trying to remember it. Yes. Georgia Stathis. It's like her first name and her surname all squeezed into one name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Elizabeth, um, I thought, you know, she's got a tank on her. Yeah. You know, the number of times that she did, she ran out the back or she got front and centre, and if she didn't get the ball then, she made the tackles. Yeah. And she ran players yep. down, and if it wasn't her, it was Brooke. And having two speedsters like that for Bulldogs, that's so exciting in the forward line. And, and especially women's footy, sometimes we don't really rely on the tools. You know, we might sometimes use them as a target, but really it's the smaller players. And, yep. and you know, as most people now know, we kick goals from inside 30. So um, having that kind of small, pacey player moving in and around. And, you know, she's got a fair decent kick on her too if she is outside the 30. Um, but, yeah, exciting, exciting young players to watch for sure. And that means the semi-finals look like this. Saturday, 7th of September, 2.40pm at Northport Oval. It's Collingwood versus the Western Bulldogs. In this major semi-final, the winner will go straight through to the grand final. The loser will go to the preliminary final next week. On Sunday, the 8th of September, 11.45am at Northport Oval, the Southern Saints versus Melbourne Uni in the minor semi-final. The winner goes on to the preliminary final to take on the loser of the major semi the loser of this minor semi-final is out done and dusted you'll hear both semi-finals live on rsn carnival 2 warfradio.com and the vfl app and that wraps up our show for yet another week don't forget this program is available via podcast soundcloud spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, rsn.net.au just search for women's australian rules football radio or listen to the program as it's first run every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, RSN Carnival. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company, and it's bye for now.